Today is Thursday, June 10th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 412 featuring the Athletics' David Aldridge is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today and use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Okay, everybody, welcome in. Nice new edition of Celtics Beat, and obviously the offseason is underway. There's much to cover. We got it going with Jared Weiss and all the big movement, but we decided to uh, stay for this next show within the athletic family. And uh, not only that, a special treat, obviously, here as we are joined by David Aldridge. You certainly know him and his career work long of uh, you know, not just NBA TV, but obviously Turner for a, a long, long time, Turner Sports, ESPN, Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, also Washington Post, now of The Athletic, as mentioned, and the editor-in-chief there. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. See, I, th- I feel like the only thing I left out of the resume, Hall of Famer, it's kind <laughs> of a big deal. I'm just old. Uh, old. (laughs) That's what our guy, Mike Gorman, who is going into the hall in this next class would tell us, you know, yes, I'm very happy. Well-deserved. Mike's been great for a long time. Great. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you being here with us. Like I said, Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, you know us, we're a world hat at this point, David, where I want to start, there's a lot of stuff that we want to get to over the uh, time that we've got you here, a kind of wide ranging. And, uh, and I think a good place to begin things is so often here for this show, and we, we go over the entire NBA, but obviously we're a, a Celtics focus. Yeah. Typically we are uh, really honed into uh, local beat guys, TV people, former players, you know, Perk will come on from time to time. We'll we'll just get really deep into what's going on locally concerning the Celtics. But where I'm interested in starting with you is the national perspective, because mm-hmm. obviously uh, as, as an outsider to Boston, but a longtime NBA insider, what's your perspective of what has happened uh, o- over the course of this past year? Obviously the big shuffling at the end of the season with Danny Ainge, as we know it right now, retiring, Brad Stevens yeah. being elevated, and this team needing a new head coach. Well, I can't I, I can't say I was shocked that Danny's leaving. I mean, there's been kind of rumblings for a while that that for one reason or another, Danny was maybe not going to be there much longer. But I think I I think most of us were shocked that Brad was going to go upstairs and replace yeah. him, you know, and not continue to coach the team. It would have been one thing if they just said, okay, we're going to give Brad everything. I mean, that does happen. Van Gundy got it in Detroit a few years ago. So it does happen in this league still. But um, the fact that he's going up there just to kind of run the team and not coach anymore, that was a shock. I mean, that was a real surprise. I don't think many people had that on their bingo cards, to be sure. With that, I mean, do you think it, and and there's no way to know, you know, Evan brought it up, qualities that Brad has as to why this could, maybe even will or should, or however you want to label it work. But Evan said, let's just, let's not forget. I mean, we have to at least acknowledge this could be a disaster. (laughs) How do you think this plays out for a guy that has obviously never done it? And there are many people like Danny He never did it before he did, but. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, look, there's no guarantee that this is going to work, right? I mean, it's a completely different skill set. And I mean, completely different skill set. We know that Brad Stevens is a really good coach. He's a great coach. He was a great coach in college. He's been a really good coach in the NBA, you know, whole body of work. I know they've regressed a little bit the last couple of years, but uh, if you look at the whole body of work, you would say this guy is a pretty good coach, you know, like mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing. Um, and especially coming in with no runway out of college to coach the Boston Celtics and to do a pretty good job of it. But we have no indication. Nobody knows if he knows how to be a GM. He's never done it before at any level, anywhere. How do you know? Give him a chance to do it for a couple of years before you weigh in on with judgments. So we'll see, but yeah, I mean, it's a gamble to be sure you're taking a guy who was certainly top 12, top 10 level coach in this league and you're putting him in a position where we have no idea what the range is going to be. We don't know if he knows how to hire a coach. He's never had to do it before. Um, he hires the right person or not. We don't know, you know, if he's going to be good at making trades or, you know, one of the things that I thought Ainge was really good at was he always kind of was a year ahead rather than being a year behind, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, from that standpoint, I thought Danny did a really was really smart at kind of seeing what was down the road and acting aggressively 
uh, to make it or try to make it happen. We don't know if Brad can do that. I mean, that's a feel thing as much as anything else. Um, you've got to know your team. You've got to know your coach. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be a complete flaming disaster either. We have to kind of see, wait and see. Something, David, I've said on this show a number of times, I feel like, and, and this is a weird way to phrase it, I'll admit, but I feel like the Celtics have a loyalty problem. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is they're too loyal. They're too loyal to a lot of their players in terms of, you know, back end of the bench guys, just hoping and praying they develop. And certainly when it comes to the front office, they are loyal, arguably to a fault. You know, you've heard Wick Grosbeck come out and say, Danny Ainge would have had this job until he didn't want it anymore. They've, you know, Brad Stevens had five, six years left on his coaching contract before he was effectively, you know, reassigned, promoted, call it whatever you want. Doc Rivers, I maintain, would still be the head coach in Boston if he wanted to be, you know, he didn't force his way to LA obviously. And ultimately, you know, go to Philadelphia. He'd still be in Boston if he wanted to be Brad or or, uh, Danny wasn't going to get rid of him. Wick wasn't going to get rid of him. You know, they are about their people and, and there's, there's merit to that. There's quality, you know, there's, there's something to be said for that until it comes a time where obviously you need a a new voice. And, And the Celtics have certainly been under fire to some degree for, I don't want to say gifting Brad Stevens the job, but they didn't have a national search. You know, even if you ultimately landed on Brad, you could have had a search. And I'm, I'm wondering as, as a, a longtime, you know, follower and, and reporter of, of, of this league and someone who certainly knows it better than Evan or I do to, to elevate a guy that, that you view to your point is a really good coach or a really good, you know, top half, like worst case scenario, top half of the NBA head coach and, and a guy that the Celtics said they believe is one of the best coaches in the NBA. Is it easier to replace that guy? Is it easier to find a new coach or is it easier to leave him where he was? And whether it's promote Mike Zarin or, yeah. or go in and find a, a new president. I would certainly think the latter, um, you know, if you had to, pick one, right? If you said you can't have the coach and the GM, you've got to replace one of them. I mean, it would certainly, to me, I think it would be easier to keep Brad where he is and, and promote. We don't know. I don't know what Mike wanted to do. I don't know Mike wanted a job. Maybe he did. I don't know. Um, we'll find out because if he did want the job and he didn't get it, he's not going to be there very long. You know, he'll leave in a year or two. Um, but even if you don't go to him, if you go outside the organization, I, it's not that it's an easier job, but there are certainly a lot of people that can run a basketball operation, I think, uh, that are around. Some are, are on teams right now, and some some would leave the teams that they're on to come to Boston, and then there's some who aren't working for anybody right now that I think could come in and do a good job. Um, I, I think it's really hard to find a really good coach. Um, I think most coaches in the NBA are, are okay. You know, I don't think they're like baseball managers to me. Like how many games does a baseball manager really win in a given right. year? I mean, most people who follow baseball say maybe five or six, maybe yeah, if, if they make the right call, you know? So for the most part, you're just trying to put your players in a position to, to win or lose the game. Um, I think it's pretty similar in the NBA. You know, Rick Carlisle's a really good coach. He hasn't won a championship in 10 years. Like he's a really good coach. He's the top five coach to me. So, and he's had Luka Doncic for the last three years and they haven't done anything, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of getting to a championship. So I, I would say that if Boston has a loyalty problem, they're not the only, they're not the only team in the league that has it. A lot of teams stay with their guys through thick and thin. We just saw Portland, you know, it took them nine years to, to make a move on Terry Stotts. Um, who had an okay record, but nothing, nothing, you know, not earth shattering by any stretch of the imagination. The Wizards are, you know, they had Scott Brooks for five years. He's not gotten to a single conference final and there's a reasonably good chance they resign him. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's just, it's just how kind of, it's harder to, it's more of a gamble to make a change because then it's your ass on the line. You know what right. I mean? Um, as opposed to kind of sticking with the status quo. Yeah, you look at the coaches uh, uh, that are reportedly available. The biggest thing, and this is why, you know, I, I pushed back on the idea that this is going to be such a slam dunk for Brad just because, I, you know, I don't think at the time we were recording the podcast, we weren't giving enough acknowledgement to the fact that this could be an absolute disaster, giving mm-hmm. somebody the, the job that has never done it before. Um, but the, the benefits are, you know, Brad has been coaching this team and helping the development of some of these guys 
since, you know, their career started, or if you're, you know, Marcus Smart, basically you, you walk in and, and, you know, Brad comes in basically the same time. So it's not like a, you know, Brad knows the, the personnel of this team probably better than anybody else. He knows what they need better than anybody else. And the thing that he has to keep in mind is, all right, I know, and we all know, look, the superstar league, you know, developing superstars is the only way to really get anywhere or, or sign them via free agency. Mm-hmm. So you have two potential young studs in Brown and Tatum. One, I think we can all agree Tatum has a potential superstar trajectory here. He's going to be the guy that says, I know what, t-, you know, maybe, and maybe this isn't so direct. Maybe he doesn't know, but he might know, like, Tatum needs this to be added to his game or Tatum needs a little more direction here or here. So that's maybe where Brad can can maybe find an easier way in, in finding that head coach. Is there a guy out there in your estimation, David, that would be perfect? Because I know there's so many names out there right now that would be perfect for developing two young stars in Tatum and Brown to take them to that next level. Because that's really what this whole process is going to be about. It's going to yeah. be about how do I develop these two guys to be the next level stars that I need them to be. Sure. I mean, I th- again, I think there's I, or several people who are out there in the, in the universe, um, in the coaching universe that could come to Boston, could handle the expectations, could handle the pressure, could get, could maximize the, the talent level of, of Tatum and Brown. I mean, look, Kenny Atkinson, hell of a coach. I think he's a really good coach um, and should be a head coach in this league again, because he took nothing in Brooklyn and made it a, and made a winning team out of it. I mean, they had nothing and he, and he won with it. Um, I think Sam Cassell, uh, who you guys know very well. I think Sam's ready to be a head coach. I think he, having played in Boston, having been on a, on a championship team, he understands the history of Boston and, and what it takes to win in Boston. I think he would have a great rapport with some of the young guys. Um, you know, so there are, there are, I, again, I'm not going to say there's lots of people that could do it, but I think there are people that could come in and do a good job there. You know, I do think. D'Antoni in, and he would be perfectly fine. Like he could, he'd win 50 games with that group, with those two, I think with some health, um, you know, Mike, Mike has a certain style. It's about offense. It's not really about defense, um, but that's okay. You know, he's won a lot of games with that play, that style, you know? So, yep. um, so, you know, like I said, there's lots of people that could come in and handle that job. I think I don't, you know, and again, whether you could certainly make a case if it's somebody that hasn't been a head coach before in this league and you want to make a case for Carol Lawson, you want to make a case um, for some of the other Becky Hammond or someone like that, mm-hmm. you can make a case for them. It's more of a gamble because they haven't done it before, but could they come in and do a job? Yeah, I think so. Sure. So Adrian Wojnarowski put out yesterday some of the uh, people Brad Stevens is reportedly uh, intending to reach out to, candidates mm-hmm. that are obviously Billups, sure. obviously, uh, who is, uh, you know, a, a, a favorite around here in terms of, you know, his potential for this job. He's obviously on the Clippers staff. You've got uh, Darvin Ham on the Bucks staff, uh, Charles Lee as well for the Mavericks, Jam- uh, Jamal Mosley for the Nets, uh, Ime Udoka. Um, Stevens has already talked to internal candidates, past and present, Jay Laranega, Jerome Allen, who apparently has been offered a similar role with the Pistons that he mm-hmm. currently has, Scott Morrison, Joe Missoula as well. You mentioned Carol Lawson, who is not yet, um, as far as we know, uh, up for an interview, uh, a little cagey as to whether she'd even be able to get out of her Duke contract yeah, to yeah. get the job in the first place. She's, you know, barely been there, only coached you know, four games lifetime, but we know Brad and the Celtics in general, big fans of Kara. She was asked about it, I guess, on an ask me uh, anything bleacher report thing that she did. And yeah, didn't say she wouldn't be interested, just kind of didn't touch it. She said, right. oh, you know, speculation, you can go down the rabbit hole and so on. And so forth. And there'll be all sorts of names that continue to surface. It's expected to really be an expansive search on the part mm-hmm. of the Celtics and Brad Stevens. Uh, unlike obviously for, for his uh, new job, certainly for his old job, they're going to really kick the can on on everybody and find out what they like is there someone i know you said there are a lot of people you think could do a good job is there Mm -hmm. someone that you think you know you believe makes the most sense especially coming off of brad like we've maintained 
um, you know, going with and, and it's sort of it like you go from Doc to Brad, two totally different backgrounds mm-hmm. and styles and all of it. Do you do you pivot back? You know, do you go with a former player and, and you know, whether that's WNBA in the form of Kara or Becky or obviously NBA and maybe it's a first time coach, maybe it's a, a retread, who knows? But do you go with that? that presence that obviously this team short of Walter McCarty being an assistant on the staff a few years ago, they haven't, you know, today's players, they haven't had that person on the bench that they've been able to look at and say, I want done this before, but you've experienced all of this. Do Mm -hmm. they need that? Uh, You know, I think, look, not necessarily, you know, I think Jason Tatum, you know, look, Jason Tatum got coached by Mike Krzyzewski. I mean, you know, come on. I mean, he's, you know, he's, it's, it's, he's been coached by the best. So mm-hmm. I don't know that he's necessarily looking for an archetype, right. To, to kind of come in. Would, would Chauncey be great? Of course, Chauncey's going to be great wherever he goes. Okay. Cause Chauncey is, is a personable guy. He knows how to challenge people. He knows how to, I think gets, get more out of people. He was a point guard, which I think really helps you when you're a head coach, because you're used to having to get everybody going and figure out a way to get that guy a shot that hadn't touched the ball in a week. And I got to get him going. Um, and you have to challenge people. You have to step to people who step to you. So Chauncey will be a good head coach no matter what he does. I think personally he's going to Portland, but we'll see. You know, um, we'll see. I mean, it's the Celtics. Celtics have cachet. Um, Although that, I mean, you that know, we're short lived. So, but, but but wasn't he one of the guys who was you know really instrumental in in convincing Kevin Garnett to come here? Yeah, no, but I'm saying there, it, it was it was the bittersweet thing because it didn't yeah. work out for him personally. But he yeah. understands. Let's just put that all on Rick Pitino and move on, though, right? Exactly. The Boston Celtics <laughs> are the Boston Celtics. You listen when they call you. You know, yeah. you have to listen. He gets that. Um, so, you know, he would be, a, you know, I think he's going to be a good head coach no matter who goes. All those names are are fine. All of them could could do the job. And, again, this comes back to I don't know what Brad's looking for in a coach because I've never had to ask him what he's looking for in a coach before. Yeah. Um, so much like the fact that Brad Stevens was picked out of nowhere, nobody mm-hmm. had the Celtics picking Brad Stevenson as their head coach. I am not going to be surprised if he picks somebody that nobody is even considering or thinking about um, because he certainly has never had to do this before. So I suspect his universe of potential coaches is going to be much different than kind of your traditional, well, this guy's free, this person's free. They have to be on the list because everybody talks about it. I wonder too, and the Celtics really didn't do this. They brought in some people that had been around, but they didn't do this with Brad Stevens when he got here from Butler. If they go with a first time head coach, especially a former player, you know, a Chauncey Billups, a Sam Cassell, a, you know, Carol Lawson, or the list goes on. You can't help but kind of think back to the the Steve Nash situation in Brooklyn where, okay, well, let's surround him with Mike D'Antoni. Let's, you mm-hmm. know, let's give him some, some former experienced NBA head coaches that, yeah, in the back of their minds might be trying to take his job long-term, but in the mm-hmm. short term, you mm-hmm. know, could help with that transition. I, I wonder if Brad would opt to do something like that. Could. I mean, again, that gets back to what does he know and think about what, what Jason would want or need or what does Jalen Brown want or need going forward? Um, do they need a nurturer? Do they need someone to kick him in the ass? So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think you can preclude anything, I guess is what I would say in terms of qualities for a head coach. You can make the argument for anybody except for John Beeline. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, you could make a case for a, a great college coach that's had success, you know, at a high level. I mean, you know, we were talking about who's going to replace Mike Krzyzewski and, you know, but this was before they hired Shire and it was like, well, you know, Jeff Capel could do it. Right. Jeff Capel's been at the program. He's, he's gone on on his own. He's one Tommy Amaker could do it. And then you think about, well, could Tommy Amaker coach the Celtics? Why not? You know, he's had a really good college run of late. So yeah, I mean, people like that. And that's what I'm talking about. Kind of off the beaten track that you sure. wouldn't think of normally. You could make an argument for basically anybody because it's a pretty good job. And the guy making the decision has no blueprint. Like there's no body of work that there's just no, I can't say this is what they should do because the guy making the decision has never done it before. So I don't, I have nothing to base it on. You go back through his quotes over the years too. He does that Bill Belichick thing where he just talks up and praises everybody. Right. It's just hard to kind of get a feel for it. You know, yeah. I don't have a sense that he's like, 
locked into it has to be a Celtic. It has to be somebody from the family. I have no sense that that that's something that he uses. We have to do that. But if he did it, would it surprise me? No, not really. Just wonder how much to, uh, real quick, I just want to shout yeah. out Bet Online, the uh, fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Obviously, football, as we know, it's it's rapidly approaching, but you got the NBA and NHL playoffs. Those are heating up uh, into round two. And of course, MLB, there's plenty of baseball going on, plenty of wagers uh, left in the regular season. NBA title odds, much as it pains me, the Nets are understandably the favorites, plus 100. The Jazz to be taken seriously, plus 325. Suns ton of fun to watch and uh we we appreciate ryan mcdonough just basking in it all over twitter <laughs> plus 550 right now the clippers plus 800 the sixers at plus 800 if they can get some health out of Joel Embiid, and uh series props for every single series the rest of the way as well for instance the nets minus 470 to continue embarrassing the bucks plus we got a little celtic specific stuff next coach odds we were just talking about it ime udoka is actually according to bet online the favorite for this job seems a little tough to believe for me but plus 550 <laughs> chauncey billups plus 600 carol lawson same jay laranaga a lot of people think he has the inside track internally plus 650 sam cassell plus 800 even jason kidd hopefully it doesn't happen plus 850 for him to be the next head coach of the celtics bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds best way best place for you to place your bets don't forget to use that promo code it is clns50 to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit again the promo code is clns50 bet online your online sportsbook experts evan you were saying well it's just one of these things i don't think we're or maybe it's not being acknowledged enough we're not talking about it enough whatever but it's like i i don't know how much Brad can rely on his relationships with other coaches around the league and, mm-hmm. and trying to pry information out of certain people when it comes to assistance, whether it's Cassell or whether it's Chauncey or whatever. Like, you know, I always love to see the the picture or the, or the video, the B-roll footage of whenever they, the, the Celtics played the Spurs over the years, there's always some great footage of Brad and Doc, or not Brad, Brad and Doc, Brad Pop. and Pop in the mm-hmm. middle of the stands sitting down, and I was like, I just want to be like in the vicinity of that conversation. I want to know what, what they're talking about. Cause I would just, I would love to just to, to hear a conversation with those two guys. But I mean, they're not even talking about basketball. They're just talking about wine or whatever they want to talk about. Right. But I, I wonder if there, if Brad has a way to rely on the fact that he has been a head coach and is connected to all these people in some sort of way, if he's able to maybe get some different information out of different coaches when it comes to maybe hiring some of these assistants. I, I don't know if that's even being acknowledged enough, David. Yeah. No. Um, well, first of all, if we're going to talk about betting, how the hell is Julio Jones out of the Patriots not get Julio Jones? That's well, it's, yeah. it's a Kill cap. How does that happen? It's a <laughs> cap issue. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't a cap. The last thing it was was a cap issue. They had the money to absorb that deal. What, I mean, if you want to believe the reports and I, I, I tend to on, on this end, they, uh, they ultimately said, we don't want to pay a guy who's 32 coming off an injury that for the next three years. Well, they don't, they don't, cap space. They want they, to they don't have a number one receiver. It's yeah, killing they, me, David. They like to have cap space, Adam. You know that. They like to have cap space so they can afford maybe down the line. That, though, you could have absorbed that deal, turned half of it into a bone. Seven, eight I think million it would have been a cap. pretty easy. I don't know. What do I know? Well, I the Titans know. also are desperate. They they don't. Who, you know, outside of AJ Brown, who everybody loves, I love right. AJ Brown. Who are the who's who's Ryan Tannehill throwing to? Yeah, but a two and a four is not that much. I mean, the Patriots have seven thousand picks every year. Come on, well, <laughs> and they gave they gave a pick back anyway. So yeah. really, it was just the two. Right, right, right. right. But to your question, Mohammed Sanu. To right. your question, Evan, I don't think that'll be a problem. Brad's really well respected around the league. Like I, you know. And I, you know, most head coaches that, that I know are, would never have any problems. If you're interested in one of their, your, their assistants for a head coaching job, that's a promotion. Everybody wants their guys to get promoted. It makes them look good. If nothing else, it makes them look good, right? So I don't think that'll be a problem at all. I mean, he has spoken, Brad's spoken very highly of, of Utah staff, for example. Um, you know, and so if it was a guy on Utah staff that he really liked, I, I don't have any doubt he'd pick up the phone and call Quinn Snyder and, it's a fraternity. They want guys to go from the bench to, you know, assistant jobs to head jobs. Um, so, I, and again, Brett's really well-respected around the league. I mean, there's, there's, I, I haven't talked. I mean, I, there's very few people that have ever had anything even remotely bad to say about the guy. I think everybody feels like, you know, he's a straight shooter. He's a pretty above board guy. He doesn't lie. You know, um, you better learn to. 
okay, well, yeah, yeah, see, that's a new skill set he's going to have to do. He's going to have to come up with, you know, like he's never dealt with agents who say, you got to sign my guy or I'm never bringing another client here again. Are they telling the truth? Probably not, but you don't know that at the time, right? So you got to deal with that in real time. Um, So, yeah, I mean, those are, those are different skill sets to be sure. Brad versus Clutch will be a fun, fun uh, <laughs> war over the next couple of years. You know, very easy to do it. Not even slowly, just taking over the world. Yeah. So, well, let's get into. We've we've done plenty on coaches. Let's get into some players. And Kemba yeah. Walker, obviously, this came out yesterday. It shouldn't surprise anybody. I mean, the 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 fact that it's even viewed as remotely new, like you know, the Celtics tried to get rid of Kemba Walker for Drew Holiday last year. Yeah, we were talking about it last year. That's right. not at all. That's not at all new. I guess the the new sure. element is you know, Kemba's sort of the latest star or former star to receive effectively the Danny Ainge, Ray Allen treatment, you know, to to have the, the hurt feelings about, you know, thinking, you know, your role and being included in, in trade talks. And, and now supposedly he's looking for, you know, a a mutual parting. He's looking for a fresh start somewhere else where, where he feels wanted. And, And I get that. And, you, know, you talk about not having anything bad to say. Like nobody has anything bad to say about Kemba Walker, the guy, the person, mm. the man. Like incredible dude. You know, unfortunately, he's just dealing with a chronic knee injury that he can't stay on the floor, and he's got a bloated. To the idea of getting rid of him, I, I've been advocating for that for a year. Like, please, yes, move that contract. It's not about Kemba; it's about the deal. Move the money. I just don't know where makes sense and what you also will have to give up with him in order to make that happen to get something back that you're content with. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, I don't think it'll be hard trading Kemba Walker for, I, for some of the reasons you mentioned. First of all, Kemba Walker's a hell of a player when he's healthy. He's a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a guy that will take and make big shots in the fourth quarter. Um, he is a guy that you guys know, that was an excellent defensive player this uh, at his position this year. Um, so I don't think that'll be a problem. Um, point guard is everything in the NBA. Now you got to have one. You have to have an elite one to have any chance. Uh, is he elite? Probably not, but he's right below elite. You know what I mean? Like he's a really good point guard. So like, if you told me the Lakers are trying to get him, I go, yeah, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, now the problem is I don't think the Celtics want Dennis Schroeder back, you know, but that's, 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 you know, you have to figure out how to make that deal. Right. So um, uh, I think though, if, I don't, I won't be surprised if he's moved this summer at all, because I think to your point, I don't think this has worked out the way he thought it was going to work out in Boston for him. Part of that has to do with the injury, but part of it has to do with Jalen, Jason Tatum's really damn good. <laughs> you know, And if you're telling me, asking me who should get the ball at the end of the game, I'm picking Jason Tatum most of the time. Right. So um it just, you just, it's, it's really hard to get three really good players to share the ball. It just is. That's why I think nobody will ever admit this in Brooklyn, but I think Harden being hurt has helped them immensely in these first two games of the series because nobody has any problem with KD taking 35 shots now because he can make 23 of them. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. distribution of the ball is just a lot easier. And again, I don't expect anybody to ever cop to that, but I think if you gave them sodium pentothal, they would. It's just really hard. It's hard to do. That's why it only happens when the three guys decide to make it happen. It doesn't happen when you just pick, I want this guy, and then I'm going to have this guy, and then I'm going to have this guy, and we'll make it work. No, the three guys get together and say, we want to play with each other, and they make that happen. So um, they didn't do that in this case. You know, this was not Kemba say Kemba and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown saying, let's play together. No, it just, they couldn't, they were about to lose Gordon Hayward. And they said, well, you got to get something for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they did. So, um, so yeah, I, that won't surprise me. I mean, like, for example, and again, this is based on no information. You told me Toronto was trying to get, uh, trying to get Kemba Walker. I go, yeah, that makes sense. I just don't know if, it, if, it, if they can make the money work. I just don't know. I'm not saying they can't. I'm saying it's not easy to make that money work for him. So if you tell me we can replace Kyle Lowry with a fixed cost player in Campbell Walker, and it's a high cost, but it's a fixed cost. I know what I'm going to pay. Yeah, that makes sense for me. I mean, with the group that they have. So um, Miami, same thing. Makes sense. Mm. You know, Dragic is on his way out. You know, they'll probably resign him for short money, but they need a point guard long-term. And Kemba's pretty good. So there's suitors. There's there's teams where it makes sense to go get Kemba Walker. 
there have been some interesting names floating around, of course, uh, what apparently spurned the Walker, you know, hurt feelings, Danny Ainge trying to deal him for Drew Holiday, like we mentioned before yeah. he wound up in Milwaukee. That's, you know, not turned out great in the postseason anyway. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. you know, more recently, Chris Mannix said they tried to deal him for LaMarcus Aldridge in the middle of the year, which, I mean, that is really a slap to the face if you're Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, we're going to continue to hear stuff, obviously, over the course of the regular season or uh, off season. It's, it's silly season. It's, you know, rumors fly. Yeah. And, and to that end, you know, there, Brad Stevens has some very difficult decisions to make. Seemingly, Jason Tatum is untouchable and should be. I feel the same way about Jalen Brown, but some have, you know, at least entertained the, you know, would you trade Jalen Brown for X? You know, we know close to home for you that the Tatum, the Celtics, you know, like they'd love to see Bradley Beal there in the event Mm -hmm. that obviously the Wizards were going to deal him. You'd probably have to part with Brown in that package. Now there are the, you know, Damian Lillard, now that he's not going to get Jason Kidd and and he's not thrilled with what's going on, he may want out of Portland. Well, you'd, probably have to obviously get rid of Jalen Brown in that package as well. In sure. terms of Boston acquiring a, a genuine, real, current-day star, like I said, Beal close to you, Lillard, guys like that, maybe someone we're not even thinking about, is there a possibility? Well, look, on the surface, obviously, Beal makes sense. He's, as you know, very close to Tatum, grew up together, coached him in, in the AAU, all, you know, very, very close relationship. It makes all the sense in the world that they would want to play together. The only problem is the Wizards aren't trading. <laughs> I mean, other than that fact, yeah. you know, um, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, um, they've made no. They've, they've had two years to trade this guy, and they haven't traded him yet. So I have to think they're gonna they're gonna ride this pony out. You know, now that they had some semblance of success at the end of this season with him and Westbrook playing at a very high level, that they would like to have at least one more year of that grouping together. Um, and try to build around them. Now, I don't know if they're going to, I don't think they'll be able to, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, um, so I don't necessarily believe Beal is in play or would be in play, even for Jalen Brown, who's a really good player and, and would certainly make a lot of sense if you were a team rebuilding. But I've only asked Ted Leonsis a thousand times if he's ready to blow this thing up. And he keeps saying no. So at some point, you got to take the guy at his word that he doesn't want to rebuild. So um you know are there I mean I don't I I I I think Dallas would love to move Porzingis but I can't see Boston being the team that he winds up with that just Mm -hmm. why I mean why would you trade for another front court guy that's thirsty and wants the ball all the time that just does not make any sense to me if you're Boston (laughs) um so I I kind of stay on the floor yeah I would I kind of think that that's not going to happen there um you know I don't you know some of us will depend on the lottery, of course. I think Golden State certainly – I think they certainly have to look at, hey, how do we maximize the time that we have left of Steph Curry at his absolute peak? Um, you know, I know they have said in recent days that they think they can – there's a way to – uh, kind of skeptical about that. I mean, it has nothing to do with Wiseman. It's just – He's 20 years old. Steph's 33. At some point, it just doesn't, you can't wait for James Wiseman. You know, if you're Steph Curry, you can't wait two more years for Wiseman to kind of come into his own. So, um, so I think Golden State is certainly a team I would look at um, potentially. Um, Now, you know, would they, would they trade Draymond? I don't think so. But if, I mean, for Jalen Brown, you know, you have to you have to think about it, right? You have to think about it. You have to think about it. What about Lillard? Um, I never say never. Um, Damian, as you guys know, is incredibly loyal to Portland. Incredibly, you know, has really been adamant he wants to try and win there. I think he has to get the coach he wants, whoever that is. Um, you know, he made kind of a. <laughs> He kind of made a, you know, a forward play to try to get kid the job that just Jason's going to have to work on a lot of things. And there's a lot of stuff he's going to have to own and explain, I think, before he gets a job anywhere, not just Portland. I just there's just a lot of stuff that Jason Kidd's going to have to deal. You know, he's got to have a story or an explanation for all of this stuff that we know, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, so if they get if it winds up being Billups, so I think it will be. I think, I, you know, I think. I think uh, Lillard said he'd be fine with, with, with Chauncey as the coach. Um, so, 
look, is it possible? Yes, anything's possible. Um, but I think it's, I would think it'd be unlikely that, that Lillard would demand a trade if he gets the coach he wants. And I suspect if he gets some say in, hey, I'd like, you know, we need to get X player, Y player in a trade. And if that means trading McCollum or, or one of the other guys, I, you know, I'm sure he'd be down with that if it makes the team better. Yeah, the, the loyalty between the two guys, Beal and, and Lillard, make make life a little bit more difficult. I like the goal sure. idea for, for Boss, but not – I think there's the the most popular trade rumor, I guess, or at least out there that, that I think I could, people can accept is that the, so at some point there's a decision that's come with Marcus Smart and yes. what we need to do with him. And yes. I, I – much as it would pain for me to see the Celtics part with him because he's such a – he's a really important part – of the, the team's culture. Yeah. Um, he's a great defender, although we took a, you know, a little slide back this year. That's why I don't think they want Porzingis. They watched Marcus Smart box out Chris Adams Porzingis too many times to even want any part yeah, of it. Yeah, I think, I think Porzingis has a very limited universe of teams right now. Right. Yeah. You know, between the money and just not being able to stay healthy. And, and what is he? You still don't know what he, I mean, Rick Carlisle was a great coach, tried to convince everybody that this guy's a stretch five and he's going to revolutionize the game. And you didn't play him down the stretch, you know, in the postseason. So, well, you know, come on, you know, at some point you are what you are, and, yeah. and you get and you max them, you gave him a max deal. So, right, yeah, it's 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 not a great look. It's not a good look. Yeah, you're trying to pump up a guy that can't get off your bench in a do or die game, you know, against <laughs> the right. Clippers exactly. who aren't who aren't you have a ton of size themselves either. They're they're trying to play as small as humanly possible. So, right, not like they're they're up, but like the the smart thing. You know, I look at teams that could use a Marcus Smart, and it's yeah. teams that are contenders. Sure. You know, you're not like a you know the 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 rebuilding teams like a team like Houston's not going to want Marcus Smart because they're trying to lose as many games and acquire right. as much talent, young talent as humanly possible. Smart to you know maybe a team like Golden State or a team like Portland or uh, a team you know that's you know maybe in Indiana or somebody mm-hmm. that needs that missing piece of that yeah. defensive guy. Yeah. You know, maybe that's the way you know, Boston improves. And I, I try and, and look around the landscape and try and figure out like what, you know, what, in your opinion, what, what timeline is Boston in because of the way they've, they overachieved early with, with yeah. Jalen and Jason, you know, going to the Eastern conference finals a couple of times when they're 19, 20, 21. But you look at this past season, you look at what the Nets are doing right now. Right. And you say, yeah, we're, we're, we are not close to that. We're not. I mean, you look stuff in the mirror. You're not close to that. That that yeah. team is blowing out Milwaukee by yeah, forty points. Nobody's close to that. Yeah, so. So, you know what I mean. Like nobody's close to that. When they're they're firepower, nobody's got that. Nobody's right. going to get that, right? So, so what? So my my question being, like, you know, you look at the landscape. Boston's got to get better in some capacity. Yeah. You know, that Kemba contract's hard to move. That right. smart contract's much easier. Yeah, I look at that Golden State. There's a. I don't know if it happened yet. I've been insanely busy, so maybe I missed it. Minnesota, we that pick that they owe Golden State, that has not been – we haven't had the lottery yet. So well, the lottery is not till the end of this month. So right, so we, we don't – that see, that to me lines up. Like, if you're trying to maximize Curry yeah. and give him – you know, I'm not saying Marcus Smart's – like, you know, some unbelievably incredible score. That's not what you need, though. You need a guy right, 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 play right, defense. Right. And you got their noses rolled, noses job. Yeah, I think if he shares the floor with Dre, with with Clay and Steph, he knows he's not going to be jacking three pointers all day. Mm-hmm. You trade that for that first round pick, maybe that helps the, you know both particular you know programs and both teams wow. in, in some instances. Yeah, that would be harder just because of the money, you know, because Golden State's a, a, a you know they're they're a tax team right now, so taking mm-hmm. you'd have to take Wiggins back or move Wiggins somewhere else, you know, someone like that. Um, it's not, it's not that it couldn't happen, but it's harder. It'd be harder for Golden State. To me, a place I'd look, you mentioned Indiana, that makes sense. You know, they kind of are, what a mess know, that inspired is. their coach. And, yeah. you know, I'm not sure what the hell's going on in that locker room in terms of what do you guys want? You just got two coaches fired in two years. Like you complain about everybody. What do you want? You know, like meanwhile, meanwhile um, Nate is doing a great job with Atlanta. Yeah, Nate's have you know Nate's gonna he has a has a reasonably good chance of being in the conference finals in Atlanta. So, um, no Atlanta or Indiana, Indiana would make some sense for Marcus because they have players. You know, would you like Miles Turner back? Yes, I would like Miles Turner back. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if Indiana were so interested in that, New Orleans would make sense to me. That's another team. Look, they are under the gun. They have got to make that team better. 
clock is ticking on both Zion and Brandon Ingram in terms of how long are they going to, you know, be happy not making the playoffs. You know what I mean? So, you know, a guy, I'll give you a guy like Steven Adams, who's on a descending contract. Would he help Boston? Yes, he would. <laughs> yes, he would. Um, you know, so a guy like that, that would make some sense if you were looking, if you were looking at, if you were in the Marcus Smart trade business, a place like New Orleans would make some sense. So a couple of things before we let you go, because I know we're uh, running a little long here, but things that I, I just want to hit on uniquely with you outside of everything that obviously we've been talking about concerning the Celtics. Uh, for one, if anybody has not checked it out, in the last few weeks, I uh, finally had the, it had been on my to-do list forever. I finally had the chance to watch the Inside Story, the documentary, obviously, ah. of Inside the NBA, mm-hmm. which was uh, – uh, people can still check it out. It's on HBO – uh, HBO Max, uh, it, you know, uh, it's, it's, I don't know, call it like almost five hours of, of total content across yeah. four episodes, profiling uh, Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, and obviously Shaq. And, and, and you're a big part of it uh, being there at, at the network and with Turner Sports for so long. Uh, it had to be, a, a, you know, just a, a good time and a, a fun look back putting that together. It was, it was, um, you know, as I tell people all the time, I left Turner and I did not leave because I was unhappy at all. <laughs> I was not. I was thrilled to be there. This is just a lifestyle decision I had to make. Um, it's a great place to work. Um, it, the people are great. The product is great. Um, everything that you see on the air is what you would see in the control room when, they're, when we're all watching the games before, you know, during the first half or the second half. It's the same banter. It's the same yelling at each other in, in this, you know, really kind of, big brother, little brother kind of way. And it's just, it's, it, it, it's, it's the place is just full of good people is how I would put it. Um, and so to work with them for 14 years and to work on that show, not all the time, but occasionally um, it was, it was a great thrill. And um, I enjoyed working with all of them and, and getting to know all of them. Um, and it, the, the chemistry speaks for itself when you watch it every week on the, on the screen. And, and it, you know, I know that it's not for everybody. There's some people who want way more basketball, but, you know, I think Charles said it best. He said, you know, we could just do an X and O show and we could talk about advanced stats and all that sort of thing. Well, no way would be on 20 years if we had done that. And he's absolutely right. And mm-hmm. that is, and that's not a criticism of, of advanced stats. It's just that everybody doesn't watch basketball to know what somebody's true shooting percentage is. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's just not what draws people to basketball. It's not what draws everybody to basketball. Let's put it that way. Um, so you have to speak to a broader audience on a different level. And that's what that show does better than any studio show in the history of sports television. I mean, ever baseball, football, basketball, hockey, there's no show that does that better than that show does. No. And as they've all said, it's entertainment first and foremost. I mean, hell, to your point about X's and O's, they are the antithesis of that. And they, and, and own that. In fact, welcome that they embrace that to the point where, you know, they have, members of that that show doing excuse me a uh you know like segments around like let's see if if we even know who these guys play exactly and i you know i get it look i have had arguments or if you want to say discussions with with people around the league you know other teams within the league office you know over over 20 years about hey they're always jumping on the product it makes the product look bad no it doesn't people look when you're sitting at home and one team's up 70 to 36 at the half. What do you say? This game sucks is what you say. <laughs> that's what you say. Well, that's what they say. They don't pretend yeah. like, oh, they could well, not a comeback in the second half. No, they can't. You know, so <laughs> they're being honest. It's okay to be honest, you know. Um, and so every game's not great. You know, some games are great and some aren't. And you got to cop to the ones that aren't, you know, and they do. And, and I think, the again, the proof's in the pudding. If people didn't watch it, it wouldn't still be on. It's been on for right. 20 plus years now. There's a reason it's still on. There's a reason it's still appointment TV because people like watching it. Even when they disagree with them, they like watching it. So, David, the last thing for me here is, uh, and completely unrelated to even what we just talked about, which we could also spend hours upon hours on. I'll try and boil it down to a question, which is, yours is a voice that I hear a lot around my house because my kids love playing NBA 2K20. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I just, I've, I've never, I guess there are a number of people in, across the industry I've talked to that I could have asked, and I just never have. 
What is the process of putting a video game together like? Man, I got to tell you, I had no idea. I've been doing this, I think, now for six years, five or six years. And Harlan got me into it. This is all Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan is putting my children through. Um, he got me to gig. That's what happened. Um, so um, it's fascinating. And I have been so impressed working with 2K all these years. The level of detail that they go into. I can't even tell you how much detail they go into to get this right. They go into arenas and just tape ambient noise, not even the main stuff that you hear, the stuff in the background, you know, to get the signage right, to get the advertising right, the placement of the blimp in this in the arena. Where where do they put it? They go and look and find it, you know, and so the, the level of detail is amazing. Uh, they care so deeply about making the product accurate. Uh, it's really remarkable. I have just been blown away by it. Um, because I'm not a gamer. I don't play video games. My kids play, but I don't play them. Um, and they are, it's amazing when you watch that, when you watch it, when you watch your kids playing 2K and it just sounds and looks like a real NBA game, like the game that you saw and it, or that you're watching. And it's just, it's remarkable. Um, and they should get all the kudos in the world. It's been a joy. Um, it's a whole new audience for me. You know, I have 18 year old kids say, Oh, you're on 2K. I love you. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. You know, I'm happy. I mean, I'm glad that you love me. Um, it's great. Cause I like working on it. I love working on it. We just finished. I just finished my stuff for next year's game. Um, literally a week ago and the process and, and the going through the scripts and talking about, doing ad libs and allowing me to ad lib with stuff that I know about the league and making that even more, you know, realistic. It's, it's remark. It's great. And the, the face re- capture recognition and I've put the suit on before. And yeah. I'll give you one example of how realistic it is. When I, one time I went down to Atlanta just to do this, to tape for a couple of days to do stuff. So what they would do is they put you in a motion capture suit. Mm-hmm. They would hire tall actors they would hire people, you know, guy actors who were like six nine and higher. Now think about that. How many of those are in the world? Right. There can't be that many of them, right? Yeah. They would hire tall actors only so that I could with the microphone. They would get the arm movement of me holding the mic up to a six nine guy, so it would be accurate. That's yeah. how much detail they go into to make this game right, you know. And it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. Well, then again, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, it's a, people, the game is, is as popular now as it's ever been. And it's, it's a testament to the work that they put in. Well, my kids love it. They play it, like I said, and it's, and they marvel at, at the realism of it as compared to watching games. But me, maybe just sort of the broadcast nerd in me, something you hit on before. It's, you know, listening to like the hand reports and things like that. All of the, all of the different scripts and ad libs and everything else that you must have to record yeah. just for them to be, you know, properly spliced in whatever the AI to, to dictate where it all goes. Like yeah. that, that's what blows my mind. The amount of talking you must have to do just in preparation for the game. It's a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> I think it takes the better part of a week to do it all. Um, and a man, and I, and again, I'm just, I'm doing sideline reporting. I mean, Harlan and, you know, the, the guys that are doing the color, they have to do twice as much as I'm doing. Sure. Because that's every player on every team in the league that they have to say something about. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's a labor. It's an incredible labor. And people, we do it because we really I, – I know I've talked to some of the other people that are involved. We do it because we really are proud of the product. Like, we really are happy to be associated with a, a company that takes it as seriously as they do. Yeah, I think I have, I have two quick questions on 2K. Sure. One, was it weird seeing yourself, hearing yourself for the first time in the video game? You're like, holy, like, holy bleep, that's me. I can't yeah. believe it's actually happening. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, it was my voice, but obviously it's, it's, it's a two-dimensional picture of me, right? right? So it's like they try to make it as, as lifelike as possible, but at the, at the end of the day, it's a two-dimensional picture of yourself. Um, and it was kind of weird. And, but again, I, the first thing, of course, you say is, I don't wear that suit. <laughs> I don't have that suit. What is that? <laughs> you know, so, um, but yeah, I mean, it was kind of weird. Sure. Yeah. But you get used to it. You know, you do. But it's like but, athletes, right? Everybody wants to be in a video game. 
Exactly. I, I, I had no desire for this. This was not on my, like, I have to do this before I retire. It was a happy <laughs> accident. I'm glad it happened because it's been an eye opener for me, but it was not on my bucket list. It just, you know, it just one of those things, like somebody's, like if somebody said, let's dive out of a, let's skydive today. I don't have any desire to skydive, but I guess if I did it, I probably would have a great time doing it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's the craziest thing you'll ever do. Trust me, I did it once, and it was right? it's absolutely nuts. So if you ever want to have the craziest experience of your life, do that. I guess my only, my only other follow up here, David, is who do we talk to about getting rid of the ability to skip your 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 pregame stuff? Because like Shaq and Kenny and and EJ, they get this big thing before the game starts as it loads. You can't yeah. skip that part. But then we get to you, and it's just like. Back, hit that A button or the X button a couple of times, and all of a sudden now we're playing. We gotta get rid. I, we got. We need to hear from you. We need that for you to hear. It's you know what? I know people do this on Twitter all the time. They say these. They say like I skip you all the time, and I always <laughs> say back to them. You know what? The check cashed. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can skip me all you want. I looked at my statement. The money's in the account. <laughs> yeah. Well played. <laughs> Well, this has been Absolutely. a great thrill, and uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on. I know uh, I've been I've been bugging you from time to time no, about no uh, getting you on with us, and I'd love to do it again at some point. Sure, my pleasure, guys. Good luck with your search. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, we'll we'll let you know how it goes. You'll see Absolutely. it when we all do. I'm sure. <laughs> David Aldridge again, uh, editor in chief at the uh, Athletic in DC, of course. Uh, part of the NBA 2K family and uh, long of Turner Sports and all of it. And do for anyone that has not checked out the Inside Story documentary or, or you know, four part uh, manifesto in a matter of speaking, do do that because uh, it's just a, it's a great, entertaining, fun look back at history into where they are now there uh, with Inside the NBA. But yes, a lot going on in the Celtics world universe, and uh, we will find out. How things progress. Kevin Valenti, I'm Adam Kaufman. The show is always powered by betonline.ag. We'll catch you again next time. <laughs>